and welcome to Phil's Breakfast Metal episode 124. September's been such a good month for new releases that I wanted to do another episode focused on stuff I've been enjoying so far from 2023. So this episode will be covering a few albums I've been listening to a lot recently, some very recent, some a little earlier in the year. Um, obviously, like this month has just been sort of overwhelmed with those massive releases from bands like cryptopsy dying features and cannibal corpse and two molds like suddenly dropping a surprise album along with a blood incantation single so if you're into your slightly complex death metal like there has been just too much stuff to choose from this episode won't be exclusively death metal focused but it's kind of the genre i think i've been focusing on a lot recently so i'll be running through some albums i've been enjoying from this year so far so the first time i want to cover today is one i was really excited for this is psychnosis with their sixth album mercury so the, i got really into this band back in 2017 when they put out their album neptune the sort of unique selling point of this band of their kind of progressive maybe slightly tech death leaning death metal band um but after their fourth album, Human Being, their vocalist quit, and rather than getting a new vocalist in, they replaced him with cello player Raphael Verguin. Um, so the band went from being, you know, your kind of more traditional progressive death metal band to having, like, the cello as the lead instrument over everything rather than there being any vocals and switched to being completely instrumental so they did an ep in the style and then the excellent album neptune in uh, 2017 but the band have more or less been quiet since that point so it's been like a six-year wait for the follow-up mercury and i was really excited for it because I, I find their sound to just be really unique and hits a certain mood i i really yeah there's there's certain times where this is just the ideal music for it what's quite interesting is you know obviously i'm talking about them removing the element of vocals does make the album a little more like atmospheric and something you kind of marinate in rather than being desperately focused on like you would be with a lot of a lot of tech death it's something that creates more of a soundscape than necessarily hitting you over the head with loads of riffs and flashy moments but because it still has a lot of those trappings of your kind of traditional more modern tech death sound it's a very interesting sound like the drums are this very triggered really intense very fast kind of approach it's a full very kind of modern polished guitar sound as well which all kind of has this really interesting contrast with you know that very natural very like acoustic feel of a cello like the cello is rarely put through a lot of distortion i do think they throw a couple of effects on it here and there but for the most part it you know sounds like that more kind of orchestral sort of style of instrument and the way they write songs like much like on neptune is these long build-ups there's there's a lot of like keyboards and stuff in there like the average song length is 10 minutes it's five tracks and they all have this sort of like quite slow burn nature to them where you will have these great moments of intensity but they're often very earned like the the cello's near enough a constant presence throughout but stuff like the the kind of really blasting drums or like kind of more all-out attack of the electric guitar kind of waxes and wanes between it like uh, a track like sunshine in the middle of the album is nine minutes where there's basically no electric guitar in it it's all keyboards and acoustic stuff and is used as kind of like a, a kind of breaking point in the middle of the album uh, they just create this very interesting sound I, I love i love how kind of like 
melancholy and and dark it all feels like the they for for the, the very long run size like an hour runtime like they create a really kind of consistent atmosphere like the sound they're doing yeah they just nail so perfectly the opening track optic ort is possibly the highlight of the album i, I really love this one for being so kind of ever-changing it does a lot of sort of relatively rapid moves between the very heavy and light having but there's a really cool breakdown in the middle where it's just this kind of like snare drum roll while the the cello melody sort of builds things back up and then it sort of all bursts out into this really heavy riff where you get this really fast pick like squealing sort of lead guitar type sound and this all melds together into like yeah very epic crescendo you have moments of the say the detours like sunshine which is is very melodic and then um towards the end of the album we get to chloris basin which actually is kind of more traditionally death metal like it's quite riffy song with a lot of actual sort of lead guitar flourishes which aren't so much in the album like there isn't really solos in most of this stuff per se like it's it's mainly all this kind of crafting melody and sort of riffs and atmospherics and i think mercury has a real edge over the predecessor neptune just by being a bit more tightly written i said it's it's a long album you know it's almost an hour but but neptune was like 80 minutes which is a bit of an exhausting listen for something which is like entirely instrumental interestingly the sound is actually like very consistent between this and the sort of the the previous album the main guy behind the va- band uh remy van hoove um is like sort of guitarist and i, I believe like sort of main songwriter for it has sort of kept their sound really in line despite kind of some quite significant uh, lineup changes we have like a new drummer in the form of thomas Gremier and a new guitarist uh elise mashley um joined the band as well so there's you know quite significant sort of personnel change but you you sort of you wouldn't know between the two releases like they they really do sound like a kind of progression of the same idea as i say just with that writing getting that bit more tight something i haven't mentioned which i think is a real triumph of this album is actually the way it kind of blends between genres without it ever feeling kind of particularly forced or even getting in the way as i say that quite consistent atmosphere with like the second track eclipse there's all these sort of industrial elements and like these quite kind of bits of electronic percussion and doing stuff that heavily relies on sort of synths and that before going into the more all-out sort of tech def type moments um i should stop saying tech dev because it I, the music isn't that technical it's just very fast and it has like has the kind of musical aesthetic of tech dev without being that kind of ultra shred or um <laughs> you know what i mean I'm, I'm sure it's hard to play but it's it's I, that's hardly the primary concern of that for again this a clip i should probably spell out the band name because i struggled to pronounce it clearly psygnosis is p-s-y-g-n-o-s-i-s <laughs>
the next album is one I've been looking forward to for quite a while. This is the fourth release from Gridlink, Cornet Jumper. So they went on quite a long hi- hiatus after their third album, Long Henna, released back in 2014. If you're not aware of Gridlink, they're sort of a super group of sorts um, in, in the grindcore scene with vocalist John Chang from Discordance Access, an uh, incredible guitarist, uh, Takafumi Matsubara from Mortalized, among other bands, and then drummer Brian uh, Fajardo, who's been to like Kill the Client, Phobia, uh, Noid Sphere, like very, very accomplished musician. And then so there's been a few other guys in the band. I think they had a second guitarist, another bass player, but they got a new bass player on uh, on this album. So Cornet Jumper in classic kind of grind style is only about 18 minutes long and like <laughs> over 10 tracks in that time. And I think it really does a good job of picking up where they left off with Long Henna. So Long Henna got sort of... I think like a bit more kind of melodic, atmospheric, threw in a few more interesting elements after their two um, earlier albums, Amber Grey and Orphan, being very direct and just completely in your face. And they always feel so centered around Takafumi Matsubara's like incredible guitar playing. This guy is just, he just creates these absolutely intricate riffs that are like, all at once kind of melodic and extremely fast kind of brutal but also you know quite emotional as well he, he's just an absolute genius guitarist no one writes grindcore that sounds quite like him i guess like bands like worm rot particularly in their last two albums are touching on a similar idea that way that sort of almost those like post-rock elements sort of worm their way into this like hyper fast music what Cornet Jumper seems to have dropped from Long Henna is Long Henna had these moments where the band would stray away from growing or there would be like a minute of a song where they they would just be doing like sort of a melodic instrumental passage. That's not really in here anymore, hence the slightly shorter runtime. But all the other elements you'd expect from Gridlink are there. John Chang's vocals sound as sort of terrifying intense and like as all over the place as ever like i love his sort of delivery it's yeah it's just it is perfect for this kind of music that that like high pitch shriek but like really clear and gets his like sort of odd sci-fi lyrics to be quite front and center which which is interesting in a band like this like you know all those elements sort of fighting for space in it because the drums are this you know flat out attack whereas and then the, the guitars are just you know so complex and all over the place and it's great to see uh takafumi back to playing like this because he um the the, the reason for the really long hiatus of Gridlink was um he had a um it had a brain issue that left his left hand with partial paralysis so he, he obviously couldn't play this kind of music and initially when he was you know when the band went on hiatus it was said it was likely forever but he's um through rehabilitation he's got back to it and it's interesting as well because we've had we've had two uh well an ep and a solo album from in the meantime but reigniting grid link feels like something that might bring them back to the live setting in fact i think i don't think they've played any shows yet but i think they've announced some unless i've i'm misremembering something i saw around that 
I like how with um, Cornet Jumper, the sound is so similar to the previous album. So they went back to the the same guy who recorded and mixed Longhander, uh, Kevin Andresian, um, who's I think he's worked with some of uh, John Chang's other projects as well. But yeah, he's he's really recaptured that sort of hyper clear, very clean sound. Like this is a very brutal album, but the, the mix is so sort of clean and crisp which um yeah you think would work against it but i, I think just highlighting takafumi's like absolutely bizarre unique playing in that clarity is, is a perfect choice of this band and you know it, it does work with the slight like melodic elements to the sound they've continued their theme as well of having very bizarre <laughs> covers like um the the album cover for this is this like sort of robot in a stream of laser fire but i am almost certain that is a picture of an actual like a model where they've then like sort of doctored the photo um which is just really cool i i seen as well like i think uh john chang has some involvement in the black powder red earth uh 28 millimeter scale um like tabletop game there's there's certainly <laughs> the unsurprising from his lyrical themes and that that he might have some interest in the kind of tabletop wargaming scene so if you've never given Gridlink a listen I'd highly advise this as an album to jump in on although honestly you can listen to their entire discography in like an hour and 20 minutes but like even if you're not normally a grind fan I think this has enough weird elements going on that maybe some of your barriers to entry with that genre might be might be removed with this album <laughs> friend Derek who I've really got to get on the podcast at some point this is Eternal Rot with their third album Moribund very firmly in the Death Doom camp and the most striking thing about this album immediately is the insanely low gurgling swamp monster vocals I'd say it's leaning far more to the death metal end of the Death Doom spectrum like the band do fairly short songs all around like the six minute mark and all the riffs are you quite rocking death metal riffs they're just never getting up to super fast the drumming is always like quite mid-paced but it's got this great like really nasty guitar tone the drums sound like really huge on it actually and then this vocal performance is just all sorts of horrible just 
absolutely gruesome wet sounding noises over this at an impossibly low pitch i can't tell whether he's pitch shifted the vocals or not they do sound like kind of really natural and murky and horrible so i mean if i that is totally real and unaided that is utterly incredible um but i i have no idea doesn't matter though it sounds amazing the the band more um eternal rot sorry are i think they're based like half like the musicians in the band are based in the uk and the vocalist is from poland so i assume they're just a studio project but they have nailed the tones on this so well like you know they really have put a lot of work into getting a great mix for this album and it you know it's it is very straightforwardly in that camp like the band they really put me in mind of like obviously a much more modern update to this but is something like the slower bits of impetigo like just has that sort of slightly unhinged nastiness to it throughout and he you know it's it's helped by the black and white uh like slightly cartoony style album cover of a priest getting attacked by a load of like gross skeletal zombies and and track titles along the lines of swollen corpse adoration and desecrated guts you know what you're getting here again though you i don't think anyone's paying too closer attention to the lyrics on this album because you cannot understand a word of the vocalist and it's perfect it works very well for that one thing that sort of struck me as uh interesting in this album is the bits where they do lean more towards the doom there are there are some moments where the riffing gets like not deaf doomy but like kind of classic doomy like the the aforementioned soul and corpse adoration has a second in it which sounds like you know it could be like st vitus or cathedral riffs just really down tuned like you could put a slightly gruff clean voice over it instead and still have an interesting effect like you could still make a good song out of it and i think the way they've done it's definitely the correct one but yeah it's interesting those moments where they get kind of very old school doomy rather than uh old school death metally i haven't got a lot more to add on this album it's just a really good fun death doom release So next up is a debut album I got into back in April. This is the Ukraine-based band Cosmic Jaguar with 
the legacy of the Aztecs. So they plan this kind of like very progressive thrash that has almost this like proto death metal edge to it. Like it is unsurprising to see in the last few weeks the band have released a cover of Cynic's Veil of Maya. It's in that kind of realm. Like there's a little bit of atheist in the kind of sound. Like the vocals are actually really remind me of the Dark Millennium vocalists, that kind of very high, clear, quite pain-sounding shrieks, um, yeah, that have, like, a, a very old-school energy to it. You do not hear people screaming like this very often anymore. And that they're, they're a classic power trio with, um, I think, the main guy behind the project, Metal Priest, as he goes by uh, on his YouTube channel, does bass and vocals, and then is joined by a guitarist and drummer. And... I, I say he's the main guy because on the band photo he's the only one who like, he's showing his face and then he's got two hooded figures in the background and um, and he is very front and center on this album like as mentioned love his vocals but his bass playing he's so kind of forefront of this album the the bass absolutely kind of dominates the mix and is is in has this really interesting tone to it actually it's very 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 trebly there's like not a lot of low end in it it's very kind of clear and precise and incredibly complex so i think where these guys sit more in the the kind of fresh template rather than say like your your cynics and that is it's not quite as progressive or almost avant-garde as some of that very complex and technical but it does feel more in like the classic thrash metal kind of song structures all the performances on this album are, are like nuts there's some really cool stuff going on with the drums um leaning into that like i, I mentioned the album's called legacy of the aztec leaning into that aztec theme they had a lot of interesting extra like instrument like kind of folk instruments in places and like double up having extra kinds of percussion as well so often the drums will be doing something interesting and then the second bit of percussion will come in really leaning into stuff in the rhythm section which does well to balance out the bass being turned into being more of a lead instrument this is a band where the middle eight sections are like, the kind of the really exciting bit, I think, of a lot of songs. Like, um, say a track like Our Lord, the Flayed One, has this great uh, section in the middle where we just get this sort of like tapping bass pattern that goes for ages, kind of unaccompanied. And then the the guitar comes in as like this cool acoustic passage over the top. And then as the drums build up, go into like a massive like shredding solo. And yeah, a lot of the songs have these kind of highlights of these really technical and precisely executed instrumental breaks. So after the, um, the slightly bizarre intro tracks, tracks like Temple of the Feathered Surf and get pretty brutal. Like I, I like they actually because the bass is so trebly, it has this really cool attack while while he's like singing and playing over some of like the more classically like speedy kind of open string chug thrash sections. Things start going like a little experimental though, not long after this the the third track starts with this kind of like pipes intro over over like kind of a more gentle passage before going into the kind of more classic thrashy stuff and then by the time you get like halfway through the album to like harbinger of the sun it's all over the place so these kind of like 
or whatever the, the kind of flute or pipe sounds that are going again over some of the riffing and then in the second half of this song we get this amazing bit of like acoustic guitar work that sounds like almost flamenco inspired with this um clean female voice over the end of it which is like a very interesting detour before we get to burn your gods which is just an absolute all-out shred fest of an instrumental and then possibly the uh the highlight of the um album though the track after this mother of uh quetzalcoatl it's just yeah just a really excellent track that blends a lot of the different elements we get some of the cool thrashing but we also get some of the more like folk inspired stuff yeah i've got no idea why a ukrainian band uh, were inspired to do an album entirely based around aztec myth and legend but you know it's it's an interesting idea for a thrash album i don't think i've heard one before based around this i'm probably forgetting like an incredibly famous testament album or something like that entirely based on the same subject matter yeah if you're into that kind of old school like what they used to call like technical metal the the um your atheist cynic uh maybe even pestilence kind of sound but also, you know, we're a bit fresh thrown in there. I think Cosmic Jaguar are definitely one one to check out. They're really old school leaning, but with, you know, all the benefits of like a modern type mix of the sound. Like the album is incredibly competent. It, it's it's not without flaws, as I say. I don't the intro doesn't really work for me and the Babe Ruth cover of the Mexican at the end of the album really doesn't work, but there's some great stuff in there and i think they're tapping into a really interesting kind of sound and you know very strong stuff for a debut debut album that i'm really surprised i haven't heard more about this is catacomb from france not to be confused with like the 10 other bands called catacomb and when the stars are right so catacomb i covered age ago on my uh, death metal gems episode with their amazing demo in the maze of kadaf from 1993 and they feel like a band that have 
kept to themselves like sort of doing stuff every so often and never quite got to that full-length album so they did a series of demos in the 90 culminating in the incredible maze of Gaddafi, like a really great sort of border between like the later like end of the first wave of death metal and the start of like almost the more brutal sound like it's an intense uh intense demo um and then they sort of reformed in the early 2000s and put out the we shall inherit ep and recently they come back they did an ep before this and then finally their debut full length we've got two consistent members between the band um uh ben who's bass player and vocalist and tony lee guitarist joined now by um a new drummer and guitarist on this album and yeah this this album is is fantastic it's like it's not that reminiscent of the earlier sound like you know 30 years will change what a band sounds like but you can still sort of hear him in there ben's vocals are still quite recognizable he has an excellent delivery it's not quite as low and murky as it was on the album or on the the demo i should say but like you can sort of still hear it's him like he has like he has a lot of depth to his growl like it's it's very textured and evil sounding and that's all still there it just doesn't feel quite as kind of low end or almost um ethereal but he's still got that kind of monstrous energy to him and tony like you can hear it when he gets to the solos like on on that um demo he was good at sweeping uh to almost a fault where like some of those solos were like absolute like walls of shred and when he gets really going on the lead on this album you can tell it's him as a whole though this is this is a kind of brutal more modern affair like it puts me in mind of say stuff a bit like sulfur aeon where we've got a lot of like atmospheric keys layered into this like really punishing straight ahead death metal attack um say a song like uh servants of the old ones has this this like dramatic couple of notes of keyboards that run almost through the whole thing over this you know very fast uh, like heavy death metal attack the albums are like quite overwhelming in a way like because everything is like sort of fighting for attention in the mix you've got that as i say those four mentioned near constant like synths over the top of this the drums like it's it's these triggered kicks that just sound absolutely huge like the bass is very quite clear and pleasant despite fighting with two guitarists and and the keys actually the vocals are quite background by comparison to everything else but that kind of works with their kind of occult nature of everything going on here it's a very sort of lovecraftian themed as you can imagine from like the title of the the album and sort of some of the titles i mentioned for their older older material so it gives it this, this sort of weird like odd vibe where the, the vocals like hidden almost like a a terrifying whisper in the back of your mind like that that just works really well the album is like these these guys were brilliant musicians on the the demos and they they can still play incredibly well it's it's technical without ever straying really from the realm of classic death metal there is tons of great riffs and everything is done at such a pace like the drumming the, the kicks are near 
constantly at a high pace and the drumming will regularly go into like full-on blast beats which as i say help to like almost overwhelm that mix but the riffing is interesting and varied enough that you know this is never just a wall of noise there's always something cool to latch onto there's always like great grooves in there or just some like inventive structures and as i say the bass like really cuts through in a full pa few passages there's like a moment in the great dreamer or blind idiot god both have these cool bits where like the bass is sort of just the bass and drums and the bass is high enough in the mix it has this real like distorted punch to it to complete the package it's got an amazing album cover it's really over the top this kind of like lovecraftian tentacle monster crashing through like a sort of ruined temple in the rain with all these occultists in the foreground uh fitting my rule of all all monster artwork is better when there's small figures in the foreground um yeah it, it, you know it really fits with the kind of aesthetic of this that combination of occult and brutal and cascoom have like updated their logo to be even more kind of complex and over the top and i kind of love it like this really spiky wording over a pentagram encircled with the ring of skulls like their logo has always been cool but they've just kept adding and adding to it and yeah it, it just looks amazing as always with this stuff there is a worry of like spoiling a legacy like that that demo really has a huge reputation to it but i, I think because they've periodically come back there there's always a sense that this project was going to do something like this and honestly if you go into this with no preconceptions beyond wanting a great death metal album it totally achieves that it will never live up to the kind of the legendary nature of, of a demo just because it doesn't have all that kind of weight of history and influence with it but I, I think the guys have come back and put out something that really felt like a natural kind of progression that many years on to that style the kind of combination of very brutal in-your-face death metal with technical flourishes and and moments of kind of atmospherics and that they they've this is really in the same vein and is a very worthy follow-up done by you know half the original lineup
switching genres with this next one, but keeping up a similar level of intensity, is his Imperial Crystalline Entombment with Ancient Glacial Resurgence. So these guys had like a quite famous debut, um, Apocalyptic End in White, back in 2004, which I think was equal parts legendary for being a very cool straight down the line blasting brutal black metal album with one of the funniest most over-the-top album covers of these four figures wearing like white masks in white cloaks in a kind of very badly cgi'd like ice storm um as you can tell the the name imperial crystalline entombment uh the initials are ice and all their lyrics are over the top uh ice themed references like into a frigid bleak infinity blizzards and banshees born to freeze very over the top stuff um the project interestingly as well both album covers have that same theme of these four characters in white wearing masks over this kind of icy uh, landscape but actually the project i think is more or less done by uh mike hubravac whose surname i just can't say brother of the current hate eternal bass player and a guy who i sort of became really aware of with uh monstrosity's spiritual apocalypse his i absolutely loved his vocals on that album he has a really cool like very deep um like really can hold and like uh hold a scream for a long time kind of voice like yeah i, I just really liked his delivery on that and um passage of existence so like to know he has a band where he's doing like a kind of more brutal black metal thing as well was was really interesting i i hadn't actually come across um imperial crystalline entombment um until this kind of reforming i think they pretty much went on a hiatus directly after that that uh, debut album and yeah i've got really into apocalyptic end in white um since and i think um ancient glacial resurgence is a fantastic follow-up in very much the same vein opening with that initial scream of we're still fucking ice um and then just you know letting loose with wall-to-wall blast beats like hyper fast pick guitar and just an intense vocal delivery. I guess Water Wall Blast piece isn't quite fair. This has lots of moments where, you know, the drums do cut out for a few seconds and things are allowed to build back up, but things are going fast pretty much the whole way through it. It puts me in mind of something like maybe like earlier Dark Funeral in places, like that kind of very full sound, like there's the, the mix is like quite massive sounding the drums are very very front and center and we normally have like kind of that near impenetrable wall of rhythm guitar and bass and then like you kind of lead more like tremolo pick guitar and when i say lead it's like that kind of one note being picked very fast or like just going up a scale or something like that there's not really a lot of shredding lead guitar or anything like this it's just very fast very brutal music what i would say is album is like firmly rooted in the black metal camp there are moments of you can tell like mike's death metal background gets in there a song like savage blizzard stabbings in the opening minute there's a few riffs that feel far more that kind of like chunky modern death metal kind of approach before giving way to the these like kind of picked chord patterns that sound very dissection-esque like lots of uh swedish black metal worship going on here like there's a there's a lot of moments like in the you know in the wall of blasting noise of like melodicism that is very reminiscent of those early swedish black metal acts i'm sure much like the debut this is an album that will be divisive like 
if you want black metal that takes itself incredibly seriously, this is not it. Like the band, while the music is is deadly serious, they they have written an excellent forty five minutes of this genre here. But the the imagery, the lyrics are are poking fun at it, and it's it's very riffy for this kind of genre as well. Like less focus on atmospherics as it is bludgeoning. Um, yeah, that that kind of the the image is clearly like having a lot of fun with it. And if that's not for you, if you you like your black metal more down the line, deadly serious, totally fair enough. I I also do enjoy that style, but I I quite like how these guys are sort of having fun with the idea here. <laughs> So next I want to talk about is Crypto's Shades of Sorrow. Crypto formed in 2019 when um, two of the members left the Brazilian thrash band Nervosa and formed the more death metal-leaning Crypto. So that's uh, Lorna Demonetto on drums and Fernanda Lira on vocals and bass. And my sort of slight nervousness going into this album was, with their previous album Echoes of the Soul, I quite enjoyed that, but what made Echoes, like, one of the things that really appealed to me, at least, about Echoes of the Soul was the guitar, you know, of, of Tina and Sonia Anubis, um, who since, like, left the band last year to pursue, um, pure uh, stuff with her, her other project, um, Cobra Spell, that's it. Um, and Sonia is an absolutely fantastic guitarist and felt like he's sort of a, a real kind of highlight for the band, so it was interesting going into this with, um, with a sort of a new musician taking that that place, uh, Jessica Falici. and but actually, I'd say in every way, Shades of Sorrow uh, improves upon Echoes of the Soul. It is one of those like follow-up albums that is at a level of quality that means there is a good chance I'll never go back and listen to the first one again. It just seems that like everyone in this band has pushed things forward. Lorna's drumming is like more intense and varied. Like she's always been very tight, but like with Nervosa, she was quite straightforward. Whereas it seems like each album she's getting more 
more kind of interesting with it. The guitar work of uh, both Tina and Jessica, uh, uh, Tiana, uh, sorry, and Jessica uh, is really fantastic. Like the this album is one of those ones where they're both very much great lead guitarists, and every song has like a solo from both of them. I think, and then the thing that actually sort of really sells this well is um, Fernanda's vocals. I really enjoy what she's done with them this album on the previous one she mainly stuck to this higher register scream this kind of like almost like danny filth-esque like very high delivery it was it was cool and like very kind of enunciated and clear and you know made the lyrics quite front and center but in this one she's varying stuff up a lot more she's throwing in a lot more like lows like leaning into the kind of like death metal nature of this album there's a lot of melodicism here, as I say. It feels like a an album very focused on the lead guitar, like as well as all those um, very flashy bits of guitar. So though there's lots of like big kind of lead hooks around the choruses. If you listen to a song like Stronghold or The Closer, Lord of Ruins, both have like this really memorable lead guitar passage that's like the big the big moment of the chorus the rhythm section is done a lot of favors by the mix like there's there's a lot of moments where fernanda's like cool finger style bass playing cuts through like she's very good at singing while playing so it's nice to have that sort of present in the mix there a track like lullabies for the forsaken really has um has that like quite clearly um the album like it does put me in mind of stuff like maybe like Johan Lever era arch enemy where it's like there's a lot of melodicism in there but the you know the tracks are mainly you know they're they're, they're heavy and but they're quite straightforward in a way like you're very kind of verse chorus kind of structured and there's always like a big hook in there I'd say this, this is more intense than that that kind of music this is more firmly death metal than the melodic death metal but it's it's on the accessible end of it the only thing that kind of hurts is it's a little overly long for that style that there is you know it's 11 tracks in that style without anything where they they do something massively different and the the intro and outro i I don't think really add a huge amount to the album but the moments where it's at its best are absolutely brilliant the aforementioned stronghold and lord of ruins really really solid tracks like I, i love both of them and can see them being ones i revisit a lot for a long time i'm coming across uh too negative on this one i think i'm making it almost like sound generic and i don't think that's fair it's just something that has gone for sort of more traditional song structures and more of a focus on kind of cool solos and that which there's there is nothing wrong with that whatsoever like it's uh, a perfectly reasonable approach to doing this kind of style of death metal and they you know they pull off exactly what they've gone for incredibly well and it's another one that's coupled with really cool album cover and actually hopefully this one will get the band some attention because it's it's out on napalm records who are you know a big label and i get the impression crypto are like a really dedicated touring act and this is stuff that really feels built to be played live as i say it's got lots of like real hooks in it there's loads because of the way the vocals delivered they're very clear very memorable there's lots of like great sing-along moments lots of like you know the track title being a major hook of the chorus like this just feels like it is built to play to the festival crowd and that so yeah hopefully this is something that is getting out there live a lot it's yeah just really really enjoyable album
Let's see one more album to finish this off. So it's yet another debut. This is Flesh Vessel with Yearning Promethean Fate Sealed. Flesh Vessel is all one word. And this is a band I got into when I was like first getting into the iVoid Hanger label. They did a really cool EP called Bile of Man Reborn, which was just this single, unsurprisingly for the, the label, very experimental track. Although maybe somewhat surprisingly for the label, they're more labelled experimental death metal than they are black metal. And Yearning kind of continues that. Uh, structurally, it's long songs still. Essentially, the album is four, you know, 10 minute plus tracks broken up by little, um, like, kind of gentler instrumental interludes, like, more focusing on, like, piano and acoustic guitar and stuff. And it used to be something I'd always say, like, oh, that structure of an album of, like, song interlude, song interlude is, is dreadful and never works. Like, I always held it as a real problem with, say, an album like Testimony of the Ancients. But I think between, like, Flesh Vessel, Necros Christos, and a few other albums recently, I've got to admit, I actually kind of like this structure when it's done well enough and sort of fits what's going on. You know you're in for an interesting album when it's labelled as death metal, though, and starts with a song like Winter Came Early, where we don't have any actual drums for the first minute 30 of the song. Like, the beginning is, like, piano, violin, and, like, some gentle kind of, I believe, like, acoustic guitars, but the the amount of weird instruments credited on this, I have no idea quite what it might be. Um, is like, the yeah, there's a build-up for the first minute 30 of this, and then like then the drums hit and we get these kind of almost like black metal-esque screams and the electric guitars come in but what's interesting with with flesh vessel and like basically everything else we covered today there's no um there isn't that wall of guitar i should say or like wall of of, of drums there isn't that huge sound everything has that kind of older prog feel to it where there's lots of Lots of different instrumentation, nothing really dominating the mix. It's got a a much more, like, subdued kind of feel to it because there isn't, yeah, as I say, there isn't those, those huge overbearing elements. And there is so much interesting stuff credited in this. So the core band is there's a guy credited with vocals, piano, one who's credited with uh, fretless bass, which has a big part in this, but then, then a couple of different guitar parts, then a guitar player who is also credited with door harp puerto rican curto um viola and drum programming and then another musician who's credited with flute and ocarina and that's not to mention all the various guests we have in here so there's a lot of a lot of stuff going uh uh on here and like it's it's interesting how when sort of each kind of instrument takes the center stage so with winter came early we get bits where it goes into what would be more traditionally say death metal riffing and a lot of the vocal delivery of those initial screams are quite high sits in a super low register where it's like basically incomprehensible just like bass uh like aggressive noises over like these quite like these very meandering song structures like they're a band i'd say like i've listened to that bile of man reborn ep you know easily 15 times i would really struggle to tell you exactly what happened where on it it's just constant moves of like focus like at some point you'll get like a a kind of very 70s style keyboard solo there's a lot of like the flute will often take the lead position 
there's the, the fretless bass will regularly cut through other parts to to give us other melodies and then then we have as i say like that huge group of guests with like there's a trumpet solo in the middle of one of the later tracks clarinet a glockenspiel sleigh bells apparently i didn't even really know they were an actual instrument i thought they were just referencing that christmas song um yes yeah, so all sorts of like interesting additions going on lots of extra percussion loads of bizarre textures and sometimes this will be handled they say in a track like winter came early where you'll get a lot of movements like you get a heavy part going to a lighter part like where there'll be like more focus on acoustic instruments violin and flute for the leads and then going back to the more like death metal section but then later we have a track like uh, a stain which um is for the first five minutes a more traditionally death metal song albeit with a this very kind of raw mix but then there's like just this other little melodic texture in there and it doesn't it's not until like the halfway point we really get more of the um of the kind of weird progressive influences and similarly actually void chamber later on where it's like it starts a bit more kind of traditionally death metal and then just has this explosion of weirdness at the moment where the uh trumpet solo comes in so yeah it's it's a very varied album as i say you you've got these little uh I think they even call them vignettes. Uh, yeah, Promethean Vignette 1, Fates Vignette 2, like these these interludes that sort of add more of a, a kind of, you know, dip in the intensity before building up to the, the main tracks proper. Um, so it, it is all over the place. It's, it is a pretty wild listen. I wouldn't say it's, it's extreme in its kind of very nature of something like Igor, but it doesn't have the, you know, the classic, like, Opeth worship, like, slow transitions where, you know, you build between the acoustic and the heavy. The, the album does, like, switch pace and switch gears, like, almost immediately, and it's quite hard to follow in that regard, and, like, has that kind of feeling where you, like, you can't really tell where tracks end and change, like, a lot of the songs feel like a huge amount of ideas, uh, thrown at the wall all at once but it does still have a core of like you know sort of great melodicism in places and there are just bits that are a classically good riff or a really catchy moment it mixed in with all the kind of progressive madness and like flesh vessel are certainly like a very unique band which i'm always always up for praising but it, it's been interesting as well to see that like a ep is like wild as bile of man can be converted into something that is like a compelling full listen um and the album actually closes eyes yet to open like a 17 minute long epic which is more or less like doing the thing Bala man was doing in one song after following like a full 40 minute uh, like interesting album so they're, they're they're really building on that kind of all the ideas they had on the on the uh, debut ep also, oh, like they've used the uh, the same artist again for the cover art. I really like his style. Um, what's his name? Carlos Agras, who's I think he's done a couple of uh, Ivoidanger covers. He's wonderfully like colourful, very abstract, bizarre pictures. And yeah, this I don't know fits fits what Flesh Vessel are going for very well. Yearning Promethean Fate Sealed is certainly on the very avant-garde end of the the death metal spectrum. But if you're if you're wanting something a bit weird and out there, this is this is an interesting, if somewhat 
challenging listen and i think there's there's definitely some really good stuff here and it's, it's great to see bands like attempting to uh to push the boundaries in this this kind of way it's it's one that's hard to collect my thoughts on because there is so many weird things going on uh, that you know upon each listen you're noticing sort of different elements of the album but yeah, I, I find it a really really engaging listen right i think that basically covers everything i want to talk about for this episode so uh, sorry it was a little late coming out as well like i uh, just had a busy couple of weekends and haven't been able to record one recently um yeah i need to i need to get, get back to the point where i actually have a few pre-recorded so i can can take a break if needed um as always uh love it when listeners get in touch so if you've got any recommendations for me or anything you kind of want me to cover please please do hit me up um i'm on facebook you can search for phil's breakfast metal uh, at breakfast metal on twitter although i don't check that as often these days um Phil's Breakfast Metal Instagram, or if you want to send like a longer message, uh, Phil's Breakfast Metal at gmail.com uh, for emails, etc. Thanks a lot for listening. Mm-hmm.